Hi, it's Ben Harold, ag journalist and farmer, and this is the View from the Farm podcast, episode number nine. Uh, had quite a bit going on, got quite a bit to talk about today. Uh, Going to touch on the, the Mississippi River, um, obviously pretty crucially important um, situation there, uh, crucially important thing there, that river for getting crops to market and obviously getting a lot of supplies and things where they need to go up and down the river. But we uh, are going to talk about that today and some of the low low levels we're seeing on the river and kind of what impact that might have. And, uh, you know, going to talk a little bit about harvest, too. We're getting a little more in the swing on that. Definitely starting to see more and more cornfields coming out. I know parts, uh, you know, my state, Missouri, farther south, um, you know, they're, they're getting quite a ways along on some of the corn harvest. But, you know, I know northern Missouri maybe hasn't had as much come out just yet, but We'll be definitely getting going on that, and then weather depending, I, I would think next week we'll really start to see things maybe in full swing by that point on there. So yeah, we're going to touch base on the harvest some, going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the, the things we're seeing in the markets. It was kind of a, a challenging day for for you know, crop and livestock markets today, and touch on kind of the, the export side of things we're seeing for cattle and hogs right now, and so that'll That'll be fun. Good, good breakdown there. I, I'm sure it'll be a, a real treat for everyone to hear a, a guy with a journalism degree try and tr- talk economics. So that'll be kind of interesting. But I uh, definitely been been reading things from people that know a heck of a lot more than me to kind of try and get the sense of things. So we'll try and relay what we're seeing there. It's it's uh, an exciting time, an interesting time. But I know, you know, with some of the the dry conditions out there, there's a lot of concern going around both both for getting the, the crop moved and what impact it'll have on, on prices. And, and then, of course, on the livestock side of things, trying to keep, keep those animals fed and watered and everything. And just uh, wanted to touch on a little tiny bit of news about the podcast before we get going. I did uh, get a Twitter account started for the, the website or the, the podcast. I guess the, that site's called X now, which is a bit, a bit unusual. I'll probably keep calling it Twitter for the the time being, and I'm one of those people that's a little slow to update the apps on my phone. So just looking here, I still have the bird on the app and not the X. So we'll we'll see how much longer I can keep that going. But anyway, the the Twitter account is just the handle is View From Farm. So that's our, our uh, account for the, the podcast here, um, at View From Farm. So if you type that in or search it, you'll be able to find it. And haven't posted too much on there yet, but we'll be posting links to podcasts. Uh, you know, this fall as I'm out and about checking on harvest and getting some pictures, we'll have some photos and updates and maybe pop a little bit of ag news on there. But yeah, if you want to give us a follow or anyone listening to the podcast out there that wants to um, give us a, a rating if you want, or subscribe or anything like that. That's your prerogative, but we'd, we'd be happy to, to have that. And, uh, yeah, feel free to, to reach out there at our Twitter account or in the, the comments there on the, the podcast page on, you know, Apple podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening, feel free to weigh in, let us know what you think, what you want to hear about. And, uh, anyway, though, yeah, let's, uh, let's dive right in for sure. It's, uh, yeah, I got the first day of fall coming here this weekend and kind of, you know, has sort of felt like fall for a little bit with harvest going on and, you know, coffee shops selling their pumpkin spice lattes for probably three weeks now, but uh, officially fall is just, just now coming, got the, uh, the ver- uh, autumnal equinox here coming up now and September 23rd this year 
And that uh, really was driven home to me. Got an email in my inbox from MU Extension today saying the the average first frost is about two weeks away in northern Missouri, where my my farm and my family's farms are. And kind of looking at the forecast, looks like you know we don't have any plummeting temperatures in the the ten day forecast at the moment, anyway. But that is kind of a a stark reminder about you know autumn and cooler weather kind of rolling in. And it, it is interesting, you know, just a, a state like mine, Missouri, it's decent long north to south. I'm sure Illinois has a similar similar feel in, in this regard. But yeah, the fact that, you know, the average first frost is kind of on the early side of October in the northern part of the state, but then you get central Missouri around Columbia, it's more like October 20th, and then southern Missouri, it's more like November 1st. But then, as you all know, the, the low-lying areas, you know, the, the cool air sinks down in those, and so they get the, the frosts and freezes earlier. And then elevation-wise, it's, you know, Missouri, I, I mentioned it last week, Missouri is not a state with a lot of elevation difference, but there is some, and so some of those Ozark, Highland kind of areas see, see the frost a little earlier than lower-lying areas close by to them. So it's uh it's it's interesting. It's something we got to look forward to, but we've got, you know, plenty to talk about with harvest going on right now. Um I know talking with some of my crop watchers, we've got uh you know a lot of a lot of variety in yields. I think that's been a pretty common theme just because you know when you get a dry year but then some areas do get pockets of rain and, and it's really a timely thing and that that can affect, you know, we've got anywhere from you know okay pretty decent corn and soybeans to, to pretty poor and even had quite a bit of corn chop for silage just where they kind of had to abandon the crop uh, especially in northeast Missouri west central Missouri some of those places saw some of the worst drought impacts but I know our, our crop watcher for Missouri farmer today up there in northeast Missouri was saying the the corn moisture is getting down that 20 to 17 range really kind of getting on the the front end to harvest there and the, the corn that has been coming out he says is is pretty far below the the actual production history and so they're they're just kind of getting it out and, and taking what they can get at this point it's been a pretty pretty rough year there and in, in a lot of places I know for sure and talking with uh, our, our crop watch over in west central Missouri he he was saying that the corn harvest there is getting close to half done just with some of the good weather they've had and the 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 crops kind of matured rapidly and people may be starting to nose in on soybeans as the weather allows. But again, pre pretty varied there, you know, definitely not, not home run yields. It doesn't sound like by any means. And even the soybeans, I think they had that some hopes for, but then it got pretty dry again there in mid to late August. And that definitely hurt, hurt the potential yield there. So they're kind of working with lower, lower corn and soybean yields. And then, um, you know, he, he was saying the, the livestock issues are a big deal right now with dry ponds. A lot of, a lot of farmers there in West Central Missouri are hauling water and they, you know, are already feeding hay and have been feeding hay and it was a short hay crop this year anyway. So it's going to be, going to be a challenging winter. Hopefully people can kind of get their hands on the hay they need. Hopefully, you know, a few little rains in early August, maybe sprouted some growth, but we'll, we'll have to see it. That's going to be, be something to follow throughout the winter for sure. But just as far as, uh, you know, I, I want to, again, talk about this Mississippi River thing. And just, just before we get into that, to kind of touch on where we're at with our 
our, uh, you know, harvest status right now. We're, we're still kind of, like I say, in the, the early stages, um, you know, kind of looking at the, the corn side of things. It's nationally, the, the corn harvest is just a little ahead of pace for the, the very early stages compared to the, the other five years recently, but it's still, still in the pretty, pretty early stages. Um, if you look at the, you know, the, the national corn harvest kind of numbers, um, you know, it's, it's looking like around 9% and that's, that's taken the, the total of the 18 top, uh, corn producing states. The USDA gives, gives data for them as a group, just cause that's, you know, 94% of your corn acreage really is those 18 states. And it's probably the states you'd be thinking about when you think about corn producing states, but a lot of states across the, the Midwest and South and even out West some too, but uh, yeah, like I say, about 9% harvested. That's, you know, like I say, a little ahead of the, you know, the five-year average is about 7% for this time of year. So nothing earth shattering. It'll, it'll really be these next couple of weeks, I think, that determine if this is, you know, going to be an early corn harvest or, or, you know, a little bit, a little bit slower. But, uh, you know, just looking, you know, state by state, there's, you know, the only states that have a significant part harvested are more farther south, you know, where it's the, the different timetable, North Carolina, Texas, things like that are pretty far along. Even even Kentucky, you know, has got 20 percent of corn crop harvested. But, you know, kind of looking at the I states, Iowa's only 5 percent corn harvested, 6 uh, percent Illinois, 2 percent Indiana. Let's see how the old show me state's doing here. Yeah, Missouri is up to 19% corn harvested. And again, that's a lot of the southern parts of the state are farther along. But even, even the middle part of the state's moving in. And I, I've seen fields out, a few corn fields up in north Missouri. So, you know, it's we're, we're definitely getting going. I think, you know, the next week or two should make a lot of progress there unless it's just really rainy or anything like that. But, you know, the, the corn condition as, we, as we're getting into harvest, it's... You know, we've talked about it's nothing, nothing too great. I think it's, um, you know, a little over 50% good or excellent, good or excellent nationwide. But then again, different states affected by drought, it's lower. And Missouri is about 33% good or excellent on the corn. And so, yeah, it's it's been, been kind of challenging there. And then looking at the soybean side of things, again, just real early stages, about 5% um, harvested for kind of the, the national crop side of things. And some of the, some of the Southern states are a little farther along on the bean harvest, but still, you know, mainly looking at Louisiana, Mississippi. Um, but then, yeah, most states still are, you know, 5% or less soybeans harvested. And, you know, here, here in Missouri, we're, you know, haven't even really got any, any enough soybeans harvested to have data on a percent harvested. So, you know, similar story in Iowa, Illinois, a lot of places like that, maybe 1%, 3%, something like that. But again, just kind of getting started, getting into it and, uh, could be pretty exciting to see what we get, but yeah, just to, to take a look at the, the drought piece of this, cause I think that leads into, the, the Mississippi River side of things that um, I've teased now a couple times wanting to talk about, but it's, uh, you know, something that, 
you know, has, has impacted yields quite a bit is the drought this year. And especially looking at the, the heartland parts of the country. And I know there's pretty, pretty major drought going on down south as well, you know, across Texas and the, you know, some of the Gulf Coast states down there and then even out west into New Mexico and Arizona. And then, you know, there, then there's also kind of the pretty, pretty substantial drought area up up in the the Midwest, uh, you know, the U.S. Drought Monitor dividing things into the the High Plains states and then the the Midwest states and kind of different chunks like that. But both of those, the the drought numbers this this week are about the same as what they were um, the week before. Pretty pretty much in line. Maybe a few places ticking up just a little bit. We'll we'll see. There's supposed to be some rains a lot of areas. There's chances uh, over the weekend, the coming weeks and. I should mention it's September 21st now as I'm as I'm talking here in the afternoon but you know that that could have an impact but there's definitely a lot of states Kansas and Nebraska in particular are still pretty locked in drought and they've been holding steady with the the amount of drought they have and and same for the midwestern states with maybe a slight increase there and I think that really shows you know part of why Mississippi le- levels have been so low and obviously there's drought along the the bottom of the river uh louisiana and mississippi but then also kind of the upper reaches you know where the river's really starting the you know water levels are really low because it's been really dry in that upper midwest and so you know if it's even moderate conditions as you get farther down it's going to be pretty low because it's starting low but as it is it's it's pretty pretty dry down below as well but yeah minnesota wisconsin iowa missouri and and here recently more and more of illinois have been really really dry so it's just been been really challenging um looking at iowa again that's you know, uh, from, from Missouri here, our neighbors to the north, but they're really, you got to give them credit, one of the most productive agricultural states in the country. And and you're looking at basically virtually all the, the state, 99 point something is either abnormally dry or in drought. And you've got 97% of the state officially in drought status and 73% of the state severe drought, which is the second level. Uh, and then 25%, a full fourth of the state is an extreme drought, which is, you know, for a quarter of that state to be that dry is pretty impactful. And then 5% is in that rarest category, the fourth level exceptional drought. And that's kind of centered in, you know, east central and, and northeast Iowa. But yeah, it's pretty pretty dry all over there. It's It's been pretty rough on them. And I know a lot of p- parts of my state, Missouri, and just, yeah, it's been been a rough, rough year there. And, and I think, you know, that the impacts of that, obviously, beyond just the crop production and issues for livestock producers, when we do look at the the Mississippi River, um, you know, here, here in Missouri, I know I was reading stories out of Cape Girardeau, kind of down there in southeast Missouri, and they've, you know, been talking about barge traffic um, they're, they're having to lower, lighten the loads a little bit, not carry as much on each load just because, you know, water levels are lower and you don't want to run aground. And the more you weigh yourself down, the more you sink in the water. And so that's been, been something that's been a real, real issue. And they've had to be mindful of, I know, you know, down, down there around Cape Girardeau, the, the water levels have been getting low. And I know at St. Louis, it's, it's always interesting the way they have their gauge there. They've had it there for a really long time. 
And so it can go below zero. And I mean, the river's not dry. You can't walk from, from St. Louis to Illinois or anything like that if, if you'd be in, into doing something like that. But it's because just with, with, you know, where they had the gauge and then they realized it can go lower, but then also with some dredging of the river and digging out the channel and things like that, it's, you know, it can go negative and it, and it does, uh, you know, I don't want to say frequently, but it's not not a wildly uncommon thing. But uh, last year in the fall, the river went below zero, and then it was a little below zero on that St. Louis River gauge kind of throughout the winter, and then spring and into early summer, it picked back up, not not up to its normal levels for that time of year, but we did, you know, see some rains and get it perked back up, but then uh, the, the gauge kind of showed the the river levels going back down again and you know throughout the summer and and now as we you know kind of heading into the fall time here is as of September you know it's back down around zero or just a little below and so you know really reflecting those conditions and and making life tough for the the stuff going on the rivers and you know you think about harvest time and the importance of grain flow and keeping things moving well and that you know can have a pretty pretty big impact when our, our major artery uh that that river you know is is compromised like this and it's it's kind of fascinating to think about just you know how how far along we've advanced and all the technology and things like that but you know it, it almost ties us back to 100 years ago 200 years ago the the importance of rivers to infrastructure and you know uh, especially back in the day it was how a lot of people moved around you know it was on the river but obviously a lot of commerce and and that's still how we move a lot of things there's an enormous amount of traffic on on our major rivers especially that Mississippi River and getting things down to to St. Louis and out to the rest of the world and even getting your in your crop inputs your fertilizers and things like that getting shipped up and down the river so it's pretty pretty crucial and you know there's kind of the marketing piece of this and again I'm I'm no ag economist but I you know I read their work I guess I'd say but you know the the impact this has on corn and soybean basis just when you think about you know you're you're hauling a barge that's not as full of crops because you can't because it's a risk to have it too full and so you're having to lower you know how much you carry on any one barge load and then you start thinking about the the costs, you know, paying your workers and the fuel and everything. Your, you know, your your cost per bushel to transport, if you will, is going up. And that, you know, if your if your product is is more expensive at its final destination or its next destination, you know, it can affect demand. And you know, basically, what we've seen last fall when it was really dry. Um, corn basis dropped, uh, I think more than a dollar a bushel in the month of September last, last year. And soybean basis dropped close to $2 a bushel in September. That's, uh, those numbers are from, uh, Nathan Thompson at Purdue, uh, an ag economist. He's written about this some and has, has pretty good information about that. But yeah, just, you know, costing more to get the product, uh, somewhere and what impact that has on, on the demand side of things when it's a more expensive product and, you know, it's one of those things I think, you know, corn and soybean basis levels to begin September were fairly in line with the, you know, the recent history we've seen the last few years, but definitely a lot of downside risk. And as, you know, it's it's been dry more or less here now for a little bit more into September. And just as we continue seeing, you know, the, those dry conditions, it's there's, there's, you know, 
the the economists term downside risk. You know, there's quite a bit of of chance that it could keep pushing down and basis could keep getting weaker. So definitely something to watch there. Obviously, the the big antidote would be rain. Um, you know, there's talk chances of rain from basically the northwest plains down to Arkansas and Texas and areas that really, really need rain. So we'll be kind of keeping our fingers crossed on that. Obviously, it would slow down harvest progress a little, but I, th I think just about all farmers would take that trade off. And I think, you know, kind of where we're at on crop maturity and harvest progress, I don't think there'd be anything wrong with a little little rain to kind of give everything a pause and just kind of re start recharging things because it's going to take a little while to kind of dig out of these droughts, catch up these river levels and kind of get things going full bore again. And even down the river, it's it's been interesting. And I, I mentioned Mississippi's farther along with their harvest, just obviously different, a little different climate down there. But they, they've had some issues with uh, grain elevators along the Mississippi River. You know, they're, they're either unable to load barges or they can't load them fully, or there's just different logistical issues caused by the river being so low. And there, there's definitely been, from what I've read, some elevators down Mississippi, they're, uh, you know, either not buying new grain, they're just, you know, accepting what they've contracted, or they're they're very limited in what they're able to buy. And so I think that's, you know, got made just another hassle, another thing farmers down there are having to think about. And so it's, yeah, it's uh, like the expression, a rising tide lifts all boats and a a sinking river definitely causes problems for all the boats. So yeah, we're, you know, farmers, elevators, people shipping, all kinds of things. It's been, been quite a hassle. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll hope, hope we get some rain and uh, yeah, hopefully start to turn things around a little. There, there was one little quirky piece to this. Um, heard this from a colleague of mine in Illinois last year and it, it um, there's there's something called Tower Rock in the Mississippi River between Illinois and southeast Missouri, and it's just this big formation. I think Lewis and Clark wrote about it on their way to St. Louis to start their expedition westward, but this big rock with trees on top of it that juts up from the Mississippi River, and normally it's an island, you know, it's surrounded by water on both sides, but last year the water levels got low enough you could walk to the rock, and that, that's happened again this year. Water levels are as low or lower right now here in September. Um, I think it was mostly October they were walking out there last year. But yeah, water levels are low enough you can walk to Tower Rock. But just as luck would have it, they're putting in a pipeline or something. There's some heavy equipment down there. And so they've closed the county road that leads to the Tower Rock uh, nature area. And so it's been been an issue to get access to it. But if, if they get that road reopened, people are going to be walking to the rock again, which is kind of a, I mean, in some years it would be an unfathomable thing. But yeah, it's definitely, definitely been unusual here the last couple of years for sure. So we'll be watching that. But just wanted to touch on a, a few other things here before we let you go for the week. But yeah, talking about the the harvest and, and we'll have some more information on that. And as I kind of get out in the fields here in the coming weeks, we'll be able to get more more information on kind of what we're seeing with yields and maybe get some yield numbers. I know a lot of times different fields and different inputs and, and different you know, weather, it can vary quite a bit. Uh, as far as what constitutes a good yield can change a lot, you know, from farm to farm. I think we've all got farms we're more proud of and some more on the margins. And so again, good is different for each field, but just kind of seeing how numbers compare to, um, 
how they compare to averages and recent trends, I think is pretty, pretty interesting. Cause I know last year, even in Missouri, we had areas where people were talking about the drought and the impacts. And I interviewed one guy in Audrain County he was riding with him in the combine, looking at the yield monitor. And he was talking about it was the best corn he'd ever raised. Cause they'd got good rains, but he said even five miles South of him had been a big issue. So it was pretty interesting year last year. And I, I think we'll have another one this year and, Hopefully people can maybe be pleasantly surprised by some of their yields, but uh, just wanted to, to check in on the livestock side of things and, and kind of that leads into some of the market stuff I wanted to talk about. But uh, they, they had the, the latest export numbers out this year, and obviously we've, we've had pretty good meat demand domestically, but the, the exports are obviously a big piece of that. And uh, the, the cattle export uh, numbers released today uh, September 21st was definitely um, a, a, an improvement over the previous week. It was a pretty dismal number uh, last week, but the the reports given ex, uh, U.S. beef sales for the week ending September 14th. So it's always, you know, they kind of release, here was the numbers for the week ending a week ago. But basically it's just a snapshot of the trends. And it was 14,253 tons for the week and that's up from 6,272 tons the previous week. And I know that's a lot kind of trying to sort through, you know, numbers there. But basically, you know, we had 14,000 tons U.S. beef exports for the week. And the week before that was only 6,000. So that's a really nice jump. But And, and that's above the, the four-week average was 12,600. So it's definitely climbed, climbed quite a bit. Uh, over again a really challenging week the week before and so hopefully that's a positive sign there I know the U.S. dollar was stronger today and has been on kind of a, a run of strength and that can always have an impact on exports but uh, you know something definitely to watch what we'll see from beef and pork um, just to get a snapshot snapshot uh, the the sales for 2023 so U.S. beef exports for this year um, up to 711,000 tons. And again, for context, that's down from 855,000 tons a year ago. So 711,000 tons this year, uh, last year at this point was 855,000. The five-year average is 787,000. So we're running a little lower than our five-year average at 711,000 there, but you know, nothing, you know, not like a crazy amount lower, but definitely that that's had an impact. I think after last year was a pretty good year for beef exports. And it's been a, a challenge this year, just to get a sense of who our customers are. The, for the last week, the largest buyer was Japan and then followed by South Korea and China. So, you know, th those are kind of three of the big buyers for sure. And, you know, obviously we sell some to Mexico as well. But just to, to look at the, the hog side of things, um, and that's where Mexico was the, the largest buyer for pork for last week, uh, followed by South Korea, Canada, and China. So, again, some of the, the familiar faces there. But just in terms of U.S. pork export sales uh, for, for the week ending September 14th, those were a little over 30,000 tons, which was up from 23,000 the previous week. So another kind of bounce back week uh, on the pork side, maybe not as dramatically as beef. But yeah, pork pork exports were up and uh, they were just a tiny bit above the four week average of a little over 30,000. I think officially that last week was 30,430 tons. 
and the four-week average is 30,029. So, you know, kind of right in line with that. And then just again with, with beef, you know, we, we got the picture of where we're at so far in 2023 to do the same thing for pork. We're up to 1.355 million tons. Um, that's up from last year, which is 1.214 million. So 1.35 up from 1.21 million, but below the five-year average of 1.367 million. So kind of in line with the five-year average, but just a little bit below that. And I think that reflects on we've had a pretty robust five-year period of pork exports and see if that uh, continues anyway. But those are definitely some figures driving it, I think. For hogs and cattle, just, you know, Thursday's markets, um, just in terms of the overall picture, I think they were kind of hurt by the, the stock market was lower. I think the, the marketplace is a little little wary, just what they've heard about, um, you know, higher interest rates. The, the Fed chairman was saying might be here for longer than expected. And so I think that, you know, could always affect the economy, could affect uh, demand for meat and things like that. And so I think people are definitely going to be be watching that. And then, you know, on the, the crop side, the crop market side, I think that's a similar thing that, you know, people have been been watching, you know, if it's going to be a high interest rate very long and what, what that could mean for, for demand and things like that. And, um, you know, just it was kind of a day where the, the broader economy and the broader economic factors kind of had an impact for um, crop markets. And so it wasn't exactly a, a home run day or anything. But, um, you know, corn, though, has had a decent week, I think, hanging in there. And I think people are going to watch how the harvest progress goes and, you know, rains in different places, how that could affect the, the pacing of things. And, um, you know, again, very variable yields. So it could take a little while to get our hands on what we're actually seeing out of the, the crop market. And then, you know, what impact the, the actual harvest, you know, sort of harvest pressure has on markets as those crops actually start, start hitting the market and things like that. But, um, you know, uh, on soybeans, I, I think they, they had some export sales numbers out today as well. I think they were maybe a little below expectations, but, you know, it's it's always kind of a trade-off. The, the soy meal exports were strong. And so, you know, there's kind of, if you're looking for reasons to be optimistic, you can probably find some. And yeah, it's just definitely a lot, a lot going on, uh, you know, looking at the Brazilian crop, there's an anticipation that could be big next season. I know Argentina then struggled with drought. So just a lot of factors to, to press through. I think, again, the next few weeks will be kind of telling as far as our, our direction here as we start to kind of build up to the, the, the harvest numbers and the next USDA reports and things like that. Um, another thing to watch, uh, the, the cattle on feed report um, coming out tomorrow, I think that is September 22nd. And so we'll be seeing uh, what, what we've got for cattle numbers and the trends there. And I think, you know, we, we've had a lot of liquidation of our herd and, and kind of seeing, you know, what what we've got in terms of, uh, you know, placements and, and cattle and feedlots and heifers and steers, the makeup of the cattle and feedlots and things like that, I think will be really interesting. So we'll be watching that and maybe chat about that a bit next week. But yeah, just to touch on real quick before I let you go, stories I've been working on for Missouri Farmer Today. Uh, uh, we've got a good package of stories for Missouri Farmer Today and Iowa Farmer Today and Illinois Farmer Today about rural poverty and it's not not a fun topic, but an important one, and just some of the the aspects of that, and what you know some groups are doing to try and address those issues, uh, whether it's you know access to health care or food insecurity, just because there's you know 
a lot of people struggling out there and you get some inflation going and things like that. And, you know, maybe your, your wages haven't perked up like you'd like to see. And there's just a lot of people, a lot of people kind of struggling to make ends meet. And so I was able to talk with some, some different people with, uh, Iowa State, Mizzou Extension, and then with people with Missouri Farmers Care that does some food drives and charitable work, ag groups involved in that, and just, you know, neighbors kind of trying to help each other out, and, you know, the food pantry people I talk to, you know, say they've had a lot of first-time clients, you know, people have never been to a food pantry before, but they're in there getting the help they can get, and just kind of some of the things people are doing to, to make that work for people and help them get through that that process and you know some of my colleagues writing about the healthcare issues I know you know raise your hand if you've had to drive or ride a long way to get you know see a doctor or a specialist or thing like that it's kind of pretty common in the rural areas and so that's a an ongoing challenge and just kind of trying to get some big picture stuff on how these rural communities are doing there's obviously success stories out there and there's people who are doing really well but there's also you know in, in a lot of small towns we see it people who are more down on their luck and, and struggling so I'm glad we were able to write about that and hopefully that package comes together well and uh, did a little food writing as far as uh, our cook page uh, featured apples writing about that we picked some apples on my parents farm here a couple weeks ago and so you know featuring that some of the varieties that kind of work well here in the midwest and you know some of the disease resistant options you have just because it's it's constantly we know with fruit trees <laughs> an issue of trying to keep the diseases at check and so that'll be kind of an interesting story too but then just looking ahead uh, got some some stories for our pork month issue coming up because that's coming in october going to get to talk with the head of the Missouri Pork Association about his 40-year career there. He started in 1983, which anyone starting their their career with any kind of ag group in the 80s is definitely hats hats off to them for, for starting in such a tough time. But anyway, yeah, he's, he's retiring at the end of the year, so it'll be interesting to kind of get his perspective on his career and what he's seen in the industry. And yeah, going to hear, hear more about that. But that should pretty well cover it. We'll be back next week checking in a little more harvest information, hopefully. And if I've been out there on the road, I'll be able to give you some some tales from the road, tales from the field about what I'm hearing from talking with farmers and things like that. And yeah, updating on the crop conditions, the weather, drought, how the livestock situation's doing. We'll be trying to stay on top of it all. appreciate you listening. Again, uh, you can feel free to subscribe, give us a, a rating if, if we did halfway decent here. And uh, if you want to check us out on Twitter, it's View From Farm. And uh, yeah, feel free to check us out on Apple or Spotify podcasts or the, the link here we'll have in the, the notes wherever you listen to the podcast. But anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, good luck out there to everyone harvesting and let's, uh, let's have a great week. Thanks.